Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. All right, Carol is listening uh, right now, and Carol has had the same Bible since fifth grade. She says, I'm now over 55. Do you have any recommendation for a book-binding company? Carol's uh, picture of her Bible this morning, suffice it to say, man, if a strong wind blew, that thing would would be in a million places. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Any ideas out there? Anybody ever rebound a Bible? Uh, got any ideas related to that? You know, I'm, I'm here to help people connect with the resources they need. So go ahead and text me 877-933-2484. There's a lot going on um, in the world today. And so as we uh, anticipate our friend Adam Holtz bringing us, uh, you know, connecting points for what's happening in the world of media, maybe you would like to know that after 118 days, the Actors' strike is finally over. Apparently, Hollywood is going to get back to work. That that could be good or bad. You know, that could be good or bad. That's a judgment call. Um, in the spirit of a picture is worth a thousand words, let me ask you, is there a picture of you out there that would get you into trouble with your employer if they saw it? Is there a picture out there that would get you in trouble with your employer if they saw it. That's what happened to a freelance photojournalist uh, yesterday. Uh, photojournalist based in Gaza. A photo emerged um, showing him being kissed. Now, kissed on the cheek, you know, like with the, with the brotherly kiss, right, by a Hamas leader. So this Hamas leader is kissing, like with the kiss of a friend, this photojournalist. Now, let me just ask you for a moment, um, in, in the context of the conversation we just had, how would you judge whether or not the picture were real, the circumstances were as you understood? Because just imagine for a moment that someone had captured Judas kissing Jesus on the cheek. Would you know the whole story just by the picture? Would you know the whole story just by the picture. So before we jump to conclusions, before we assume that we know everything about what is happening in a moment in the context when a picture is taken, I want you to imagine if a photo had been snapped in the moment that Judas kissed Jesus, would you have understood? Could you have possibly understood what that kiss meant? That's my uh, warning not to jump to conclusions today. Now, I think in this particular circumstance, more is known about this individual and CNN has cut ties uh, as I think now have uh, the Associated Press and and others. So um, film screenings are underway across the country in relationship to um, a couple of films that actually have been produced since October the 7th. Those films include 
um, images and and footage of what happened during the Hamas attack uh, in communities along Israel's southern border with Gaza. Um, that means you can uh, you probably don't need to uh, spend much time imagining what some of those images and some of that video footage includes. A fight broke out between pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian people yesterday in Los Angeles um, in front of a place where a film, one of these films, was being screened. So the Museum of Tolerance is where uh, this, um, this film was being screened. And about 150 people had gathered to watch it. It's called Bearing Witness. It's a 47-minute uh, film uh, featuring, uh, you know, what everybody acknowledges are graphic and violent footage documenting the attacks. So part of this is a conversation uh, about being careful, little eyes, what you see. I understand um, why those who want us to understand the atrocities of October the 7th I understand why they would be compelled for others to see what happened. I also recognize that once you see it, you can't unsee it. You can never unsee something, particularly um, something that sets a hook in your mind. It's why pornography is so powerful. It sets a hook in your mind and you can never unsee it. The same is true when we talk about the horrors of war. And so be careful, little eyes, what you see. Um, This will not be the last uh, of documentaries that will be produced. In fact, we're going to talk about one that I'm going to recommend next week when Luke Moon is here from the Philos Project. Um, Because I do think that we do need to understand what is happening in the Middle East and we need to understand the context. But there are some things we don't need to see that our little eyes don't need to see. So... Uh, That will be my encouragement to you to be careful, little eyes, what you see as we prepare ourselves for our conversation with our friend Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. That's really one of the primary reasons Plugged In exists, to help us um, determine in advance what we are going to watch, what we are going to participate in, what we are going to read in terms of the media that is available out there today. So I will ask this, does your family have a favorite board game? that you play, um, maybe one that you only play over the holidays when more people gather together. Um, are you holiday game people? If so, um, you know, I'd like to know. The text line's always open, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, joining us now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Adam, here are uh, the fast answers to the question on the text line. Uh, we have Yahtzee and Bamboozle. We have mm-hmm. uh, card games. We have um, a card game called Old School. We mm-hmm. have uh, Kingdom Hearts Talisman. I don't know. I have no idea what that is. We have mm-hmm. Sorry, Bingo, and Ticket to Ride. At my yeah. house, oh, we've got Cribbage. we got something called... Um, what was the one that came across that I scrolled through, Paul? Like bid whiz? I don't know what that is. Whist? I saw that. Oh, bid. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Anybody? So anyway, there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, bid bid whist. Bid whist? I don't know. There you go. All right. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about board games. We want to talk a little bit about um, holiday games. Um, but we also want to talk about the dark side of kids and blue light. 
Yes. <laughs> Lots to talk about. Where would you Where like to start? Where do you want to start? I don't know. Where do you want to oh, start? You know, let's talk about games. Um, nice. Yeah, We often talk at Plugged In about how we're all getting too much screen time and the blue light conversation in just a minute we'll touch on that um one of the things we have started doing is reviewing uh things you may not be aware of uh namely board games and we're specifically looking at those that are coming from a christian point of view we actually have a couple of people on our staff who are incredibly avid gamers uh, and not just actually Christian games. We've reviewed some other board games in the past as well. But we've recently reviewed a couple. One of those is called Deliverance, which is kind of, um, oh, it's a spiritual warfare kind of tactical-ish board game. It reminds me a little bit of This Present Darkness for those of us that uh, have been around long enough to remember Frank Peretti's book uh, in the late 80s. Um, also Jerry so, Jenkins' book. Who's well, still writing exactly. books? There you go. Exactly. Right, sorry. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Frank Peretti. I haven't heard anything he, of him for well, he has, a long he has passed time. On, he has passed on to be with Jesus. Oh, well, that would make that would yeah. explain why he's not writing anymore. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. I'm I'm here um, to help. It's a real conversation, Adam. You could ask me yeah. anything and I'll tr- I'll try to, you know, I'll try to bring forth an answer, man. You're like yeah, you know, you're like the the uh, the eight ball. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm almost as good as Google, just not quite. Yeah. All right. Right. Um, so we talk about that one. And then there is another game out uh, called The Bible is Funny. And um, let me segue just momentarily. Um, one of our family's favorite games is Apples to Apples. And there's more mm-hmm. kid oriented ones. There's a couple different versions. And, you know, you put a card down. And then you you have a handful of cards that have words and phrases related to that. And you put those down. I'm not explaining it very well. If you've played Apples to Apples, you know what I'm talking about. And the Bible is funny, does something similar only with Bible verses. So um, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting faith-based take on that sort of thing. And we have reviews of the Bible is funny and deliverance of it plugged in uh, and continue to you know, pay attention to our blog because we're going to try to give you those sorts of alternatives from time to time so that when we say, hey, get off your phone and do something else, we've actually got a practical alternative for you. Um, I love games. I'm a huge game fan. And um, and obviously we have gamers in uh, in the audience today. Um, oh, Bob Castro. <laughs> no, there's not a Peretti book that's just been released. There are books by I'm Jerry sorry. Jenkins being released. The Frank Peretti books, the the Left Behind series, you know, that goes back a generation, right? That's fair yep. to say. Yeah. Yep. But definitely that's worth right. definitely worth reading. Definitely worth well, reading. All right. Um Racco. Racco, we gotta we gotta vote for Racco here. I don't know. R A K K O? I don't know. Oldie First but goodie. I know. I'm sure you guys never heard of Racco? Plato no. Pictionary. I feel like that's made up. Right? Right. That's somebody is doing that... Pictionary but with Plato. <laughs> that's oh, kind so of it's fun. not about it's not about philosophy. Like an, I wasn't sure. It's like an adaptation, right? All right. right. Lots of Oh, wait. We have a new person on the text line. I so I just managed to read this. My first time texting. Oh, well, fantastic. Woo-hoo. Welcome, Welcome. 651. Here, here's what you need to do. Um, so first of all, thank you for your Bible memorization uh, text. I super duper appreciate that. I'm going to read it totally. 
Um, ah, at the end, we find out that it's Debbie in St. Paul. Debbie in St. Paul, first time to text. Frequent listener, first time texter. There you go. You survived and it was not bad. Uh, cash flow. Somebody is texting in with cash flow. Another vote for apples to apples. Um, on and on. All right. Keep your game ideas coming as we continue our conversation with our friend Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. What else do you want to talk about, Adam? Well, let's talk about the problem with blue light. So blue light is ultraviolet light that's emitted by screens. And even though it's called blue light, I mean, if you're looking at a screen, there's blue light coming off of it. And we recently published um, a blog written by Bob Hoos that looks at what the ongoing research about blue light tells us. And it's um, they continue to learn more about our relationship with light. And of course, light comes from the sun. So before screens, you know, the, the light rhythms in our lives were really um, were governed by natural light. And so when the light went down, your body said, oh, light's gone time to get ready for sleep. And so we have these things called circadian rhythms and the light interferes where it relates to how much melatonin um, we're getting, which is a chemical that our brains use. It's a sleep hormone. Um, And so the upshot is screens give off blue light and they do all sorts of things to us biologically. They wake us up for one thing. So they make sleep harder Um, they can interfere with our insulin production. And so that can uh, increase the risk for obesity. But a new study has found that it is also linked to an earlier onset of puberty. And so I just think it's fascinating that something as simple as light uh, is related to all of these biological functions. And to me, it it speaks to the fact that God created us fearfully and wonderfully, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and our relationship with our environment is important. And so the screens that we're using all the time actually have a biological impact. And of course, as you might've guessed already, uh, it's not great for adults, but it's even worse for kids whose bodies and brains are still developing. So Bob who says unpacked all of that, at a blog called The Dark Side of Kids and Blue Light. And he also notes that, you know, you can get blue light glasses, but it only blocks about 10 to 25% of that blue light. So that's not really a fix. Hmm. All right, we're going to take a very brief break and we're going to come back and have a conversation um, about some things that are coming out, uh, big screen, small screen. We're going to do some reviews with Focus on the Families plugged in Adam Holtz. Uh, we're also going to talk about Rob Schneider. What happens yeah. um, when a person becomes a Christian? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Okay, first of all, uh, Frank Peretti is still alive, still very much alive. I was thinking of Tim LaHaye, who co-authored the Left Behind series with Jerry Jenkins. <laughs> I, was, I was not thinking about Frank Peretti, which is clearly who you mentioned. And so let me just, if we could scroll back and fix that on the audio, that would be great. I don't know. That'd don't be know pretty to hard back. to do, Carmen, but I don't you know. know how to go back and fix that. Uh, yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. <sighs> 
We just did. So sorry. We just did. Frank Peretti, still very much alive, 72. Thank you for all of those of you texting in about that topic. I'm so sorry. All right. (sighs) Comedian Rob Schneider. Adam Holtz, what do we need to know about him? Do we have Adam? Do you have me? Well, we have you. For some reason, Adam went silent here. So <laughs> it's been one of those mornings. It has been one of those mornings. Let me see if I can get uh, him otherwise. So, Comedian Rob Schneider uh, has become a Christian and is vowing to show Christ's forgiveness. He's a famous comedian. He has announced his conversion to Catholicism, repentance for what he characterized as a failure to show Christ's forgiveness to others with whom he disagrees. So you probably know him from, um, well, Saturday Night Live or uh, movies that he has appeared in, um, Deuce Bigelow, uh, The Animal. I will confess to you, I have not seen any of those movies and I'm fairly confident they don't have content I would appreciate. So Rob Schneider uh, has posted on Twitter. Want to thank all of the lovely people for their kind birthday wishes. Um, Went on to to talk about uh, his faith. So um, Adam Holtz is back. Adam, what do you want to say about Rob Schneider's conversion to the faith? Well, I want to say a couple of things, and I want to use this as a a springboard to an even bigger conversation. Um, You know, I'm... I missed what you maybe just said, but he talks about coming to Christ and and converting to Catholicism at 60. And he says at 60, you realize the very fragile reality, the very real fragility of life and the temporariness of it all, a humbling knowledge that there is indeed a time limit for all things and that God's design, um, though perfect, is precious far beyond its brevity. And so I love there's a perspective here that's coming. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, and the other thing I would say is that Rob Schneider is just the latest celebrity this year to to come to Christ. And two others are tattoo artist Kat Von D uh, and rapper and model Black China, uh, both of whom who have, have made some pretty radical course corrections. Um, and I think I would say we can sometimes look at Hollywood and think, well, those people are as far away from Jesus as they could possibly be. But I think in all three of these cases, um, God connected with them and they they were willing to see, you know, the offer on the table for forgiveness and their need for it. Um, and, and some of them, Kat Von D especially, has, you know, been really criticized for some Christians for her tattoos and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I'm like, wow, can we just celebrate the fact that these people are finding Jesus without sort of nitpicking where they have come from? But God is at work. He is calling unlikely and unexpected people to himself. And then he is speaking through them. And I think that's an incredible thing, Carmen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Redemption is powerful. I remember a recent conversation with somebody who was talking about the need to plant a church um, because even though there were lots of churches in the community where they lived, the people who were coming to Christ off the street and um, had all of these evidences of of their former life, right? Like, right, and people who had done things that were known <coughs> to the community, um, they weren't accepted. They weren't they right. weren't loved in uh, in existing churches, and so they had to plant a church in order that these 
recovered people, these people whom Christ had redeemed, would have a place to grow in faith and worship together and be loved in community. And that is a um, that is a serious condemnation of uh, of of some churches, right? I mean, that just is. Right. That's just not, it is. not and, and, who we should be. And, and let me say, you know, we are a downtown church in Colorado Springs, and we often have homeless people um, come in off the streets because we're right smack in the heart of downtown. And it's always a choice. Am I going to engage? Am I going to be kind? Am I going to... Um, am I going to treat them like I would treat a quote, normal unquote churchgoer, you know, your friends that you see every week, people who've been in church for 50 years. Uh, and, and sometimes it really does require an adjustment on our parts in terms of um, how am I relating to people and how am I seeing people? And am I willing to, am I willing to be gracious and loving and kind and, and maybe out of my comfort zone, right? Um, I know that's a cliche, but it really is true. So anyway, just a, a thought to throw there in there at the end. That's so good. That's so good. Um, all right. People are actually sending me texts to, uh, to to share things with you. So um, expect oh, a ex- expect a follow-up email from me okay. uh, for, for things that people, I guess, are assigning to you as homework. That's all I can do. Oh, I right love now. that. I love yeah, that. I know. And actually, I know. let's do it every week. Honestly. Okay. Homework um, for Adam. That will be a new thread that we a, that we pursue. It's a segment. Yes. Um, all right. Journey to Bethlehem, the Marvels, yep. and or what happened later. We have time for yes. like one one minute on each. Okay. Journey to Bethlehem is a nativity story like you've never seen. If you woke up and said, hey, what if we did a nativity story and we combined it with high school musical, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Right. right. The and Marvels. Marvels is the latest Marvel movie. It has three female superheroes. Uh, it's gotten terrible pre-release press. I actually thought it was pretty sweet. They don't push the boundaries into the woke social agenda stuff as much as a lot of stuff Disney's done recently. Um, pretty straightforward superhero movie. Uh, you know, heroes fighting a bad guy trying to kill multiple planets. And what happened later? Uh, what happens later is Meg Ryan directing a rom-com in her later years. And uh, it is two people who revisit a connection they had when they were much younger and sort of ask the, the what if question. What if, you know, we had managed to work it out then and mm. we didn't now. Um, it's got some nice moments. It's, it's her and David Duchovny, Duchovny. I never know how to say it. Oh, from, um, from the X-Files. From, from X-Files. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Cal- yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's exactly what you would expect. So if you love Meg Ryan and you're an adult, cause it's PG 13 movie, actually, excuse me, it's an R rated movie. So there's a fair bit of content here. Definitely check out our full review on this one first. Yeah. That's what you should always do. You should go to pluggedin.com. Check out the full review. Um, check out the blog uh, as well. I definitely want you to read The Dark Side of Kids and Blue Light. And then um, there are some holiday game guides and a Christian board game guide in the Plugged In Show um, podcast in, the, in episodes 206 and 207. So there you go. Um, Adam, there you go. as always, thank you so much. We, we love spending time with you. 
Thank you, Carmen. See you next week. Likewise. All right. And um, homework. Keep the homework coming and I will send it to Adam in an email for those of you who, uh, you know, would like to control Adam's calendar for the next week. That'd be kind of fun. Right. Send me an email, Carmen (laughs) at MyFaithRadio.com, or you can always hit me up on the text line, 877-933-2484. All right. I think we have time here for the Friday Farm Report. I think we could work this in before the bottom of the hour. Uh, Let's see. Friday Farm Report for November the 10th, 2023. Uh, Winter is coming. And you may say to yourself where you are, winter has uh, already arrived, at least in some form or from some uh, uh, or for one evening, maybe or a day. Maybe you've gotten the first uh, dusting of snow and you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, winter is coming. So preparing for the reality of winter is, uh, I would say, the theme of today's Friday Farm Report. Uh, Checking on improving shelter options and bedding for all of the animals. Yes, so uh, there has been an effort to, um, you know, put new straw in all of the places where the hens uh, sit and lay and spend their time. We also uh, have put the light back in the coop. We were down to just getting four eggs a day because it takes 14 hours of light for a chicken to produce an egg, which means that most of our chickens are only producing an egg every other day. So supplemental light for our chickens because, well, frankly, we want more eggs. Uh, We have um, refreshed our effort related to keeping water uh, in its liquid form, not freezing. And so that's going on. Um, let's see, uh, we spent a day putting everything away that we don't need until spring. You know this exercise, right? You have wandered your own property at some point and put everything away that will not be needed until the spring. So that has been an effort underway on our farm as well. Preparing the garden, um, the things that need to happen to the garden in order that it will be ready in the spring, um, to do what we want to do. And then what I have just written here on my notes as the deep clean I don't know what else to call it. Uh, every once in a while on the farm, around the farmhouse, in, in the outbuildings, make your list. You need to do a deep clean. And so that has been um, underway, in process uh, at, at our little farm. So what's happening where you are? I'd love an update. You can always text me, 877-933-2484. I've got an incredible story for you. Um, up next, the first full eyeball transplant. Yep, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, Aaron James is a 46-year-old veteran from Arkansas. He suffered a high-voltage electricity injury in 2021. It severely damaged much of his face, uh, his left eye, and his left arm. Um, James is the world's first full eyeball transplant recipient in terms of it being successful. So doctors originally um, aimed to have James um, undergo a face transplant, but not an eye transplant. Eye transplants are typically avoided due to the low chance of restoring vision, the risk of a brain infection, the rejection of the organ by the body, all the reasons that you wouldn't try. Um, 
so James, because he required some uh, immune suppressing medications to prevent his body from rejecting the facial transplant, the eye transplant was considered much lower risk. And so five months after surgery, blood appears to be flowing to the retina. The organ appears healthy. And doctors are now waiting to see whether or not the optic nerves will grow sufficiently that um, Aaron James will have a restoration of sight. I want you to think about that for just a moment, that blind eyes would see. Now, of course, from a Christian worldview, we uh, can talk about Jesus healing the physically blind. We have, um, we have three stories that I can think of in Scripture related to uh, Jesus restoring sight to people who are blind. There are the two blind men who follow him in Matthew chapter 9, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. The blind men come to him um, when he enters a house and he says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they say, yes, Lord. And then he touches their eyes saying, according to your faith, um, let it be done to you. And their eyes are opened like they can see. Um, And in Mark chapter eight, we have the testimony of Jesus coming uh, toward Bethsaida. Some people bring to him a blind man. Uh, He takes the blind man by the hand. He leads him out of the village uh, Jesus makes a mud with spit and um, and earth and puts it on the man's eyes and says, do you see anything? And the man looks and says, well, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And Jesus then puts his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes are open and his sight is restored, and he is able to see everything clearly. That two-step miracle is, uh, is an interesting one and used by many people in terms of um, like uh, encouragement to physicians and encouragement to doctors and those who, um, you know, use the things of the earth to um, alleviate the suffering and and heal people today. In Luke chapter nine, um, we have uh, the man uh, blind from birth who Jesus restores his sight. And so I guess uh, a conversation about the healing of physical blindness Um, Jesus says of himself that, you know, this is one of the things that he came, uh, that he came to accomplish, that blind eyes would be opened. It's one of the things that he sends, um, John's disciples back to him with a testimony of, you know, the blind see. Um, but I think that for those of us uh, operating out of a Christian worldview, one of the things we could talk about in relationship to, um, this conversation, this miraculous story taking place um, you know, in, in our day where a human eyeball is being transplanted, first of all, we always remember that in order for an organ to be transplanted, someone, some healthy person um, had to agree that that organ could be used after their death. And so a life has been sacrificed in order that this man can see. And the gospel is contained in that message as well. I'm also thinking about spiritual sight and all the ways in which Um, The Bible talks about spiritual sight, and that's a good conversation for us to consider today as well. Remember Elisha? Remember Elisha praying, um, you know, open his eyes that he could see. And um, the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Remember that, uh, that God gave Elisha that spiritual sight and then his servant that spiritual sight as well. 
Um, Psalm 146 comes to mind. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind, raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Isaiah 35, the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. When Jesus talks about um, the fulfillment uh, himself as the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. Surely he is not just talking about the handful of physically blind people who he healed during his lifetime. He is surely talking about um, how eyes are opened to recognize him. How human eyes are opened. Eyes blinded by the darkness of this world. How our eyes are opened to see him. I'm thinking about um, the way we pray in, in, uh, with Paul in Ephesians 5. You were formerly living in darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you will know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Um, there, is, um, there is the prayer in Acts 26 that God would open their eyes so that they might turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they would receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance of those who have been sanctified by faith in Christ. Right? We talk about who Jesus is as the light of the world. Not everybody saw him for who he was. Only some had eyes to see. Um, Jesus says in John chapter 9, Judgment came into the world so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Spiritual blindness is a real thing. People are walking in darkness. Only some, only some recognize the one who is the great light. So what does it look like to see Jesus, to have eyes that see and ears that hear and minds that understand? Um, what does that look like? What does it look like to um, have your spiritual sight restored? Do you remember the moment the light dawned for you? Mary uh, on the text line says, uh, my favorite reference to blindness in the Bible is Saul. Oh, excellent, <laughs> excellent example, Mary. Yes, um, Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus includes the fact that uh, these scales form over his eyes. He is literally blinded. They have to lead him from his Damascus Road encounter um, with, with Jesus. Remember, Paul is a terrorist. Paul is actively at Saul. Saul is actively pursuing Christians, seeking to kill them, seeking to find them, discover them, uh, bring them back to Jerusalem. And, uh, and like Stephen, much like Stephen, Remember, Saul's the one holding the coats while Stephen is suffering martyrdom by stoning. Saul is met by Jesus on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Um, and, you know, who are you, Lord? And, you know, Jesus identifies himself. Uh, Paul is blinded by that experience. And only days later do the scales fall from his eyes. Wow. Thank you, Mary, for that reminder of um, someone's spiritual blindness being made so clear to them 
and then the redemptive power of God to open the eyes of the one who was blind in so many ways. Um, that is, that's powerful. Thank you so much uh, for that good, good reminder. I love the way that we encourage one another in the faith. Thank you for the ways in which you encourage me. Um, I hope that uh, I encourage you to not only consider what's happening in the world, but how you could apply the mind of Christ to it. The way God brings forward biblical stories and, um, and gospel illustrations when, um, when you consider what is happening, um, in the world today. Uh, all right. At the cross, I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Um, there's always room at the cross. Thank you so much for that message on the text line as well. Um, I will, uh, let's see. Walt wants to know where is the report of the transplant as a physician, um, I can't, I, uh, I want to find that. All right. So let's see. I am looking here at the Langone, New York University Langone Health performs first whole eye and partial fla- face transplant. There you go. Walt, I'll send you the direct link. All right. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's take one more very brief break. When we come back, let's intentionally focus together on Veterans Day and those who have so faithfully served our country um, and how we can, um, not only show our gratitude toward them, but maybe prepare ourselves to minister to them. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. Time together as people of faith is so important, and together we can make a positive impact. So Faith Radio is ready to hit the road. Would your community be a good fit for a Faith Radio live event full of encouragement and togetherness that we can spur each other on toward love and good deeds? Nominate your community for a live Faith Radio event at MyFaithRadio.com. And I hope to get to see you soon. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. Today, uh, holiday related to Veterans Day. So um, lots of folks wondering, like, how can I engage? How can I um, not only observe, but genuinely show my appreciation to those who, um, who have served in the armed forces. Um, how do I, you know, like, how do I do that? Well, here's one idea. So you can participate uh, in the upcoming wreaths across America. Um, this is something that you could, you know, prepare to do in advance. So go ahead and get it on your calendar, wreathsacrossamerica.org. It's the wreath laying that takes place at all of our veteran cemeteries across the country. Um, so that's not a expressly Veterans Day activity, but something that you kind of need to prepare for in advance so that uh, they can know you're coming to help. Uh, it is always on a Saturday morning, and so I'm sure it's happening in the next several weeks. I haven't actually uh, you know, checked that out or signed up yet, um, but I have a veteran cemetery near me, and that is something that we have absolutely loved to do. All right, um, somebody's saying today is the Marine Corps birthday, 248 years ago today, uh, Veterans Day and the Marine Corps birthday um, observed on the uh, observed on the same day. So thank you for that. Um, little shout out to all of our Marine Corps veterans specifically. Um, happy birthday to the Marine Corps, Semper Fi. Uh, another thing that you could do, you could contact the VA and consider becoming part of what's called the Compassionate Contact Corps. So the Compassionate Contact Corps is one of the ways that the VA uses volunteers like you and me um, to make contact with socially isolated veterans. And so it's something that you do through text and phone call. 
Um, and so that is something you could volunteer for at va.gov. Um, a question uh, came from um, somebody who said, you know, I'd really like to get my church engaged. Um, I don't really know how to do that. And so I did a little research and the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Church actually has a list. They, um, they worked up this list with, uh, with their chaplains. Um, so every denomination has chaplains who serve in the various branches of the U.S. military. And so some of those chaplains got together and they came up with this list. And I thought this list was really good. So I'm passing it along to you today in terms of how you might um, express your, uh, your appreciation for veterans and those who serve not only today, but in an ongoing way. Like, wouldn't it be great if churches across the country found a way to connect with and, um, and love on veterans uh, all the time? So here are some practical ways churches can minister to those who have served or are serving in the U.S. military. Number one is pray. That will not surprise you. Pray for veterans. Pray for service members and, and military chaplains who serve them. Pray for um, the families of service mem- members, not only those who are deployed, but those who come back home. And it's like, you know, it's hard. It's, uh, it's not easy to, um, to adjust back into family life. You could identify um, in your church who has served in the armed services and invite them to, to sort of, you know, be the, be the people who um, advise your church as you seek to serve veterans and service members and their families in your own community. Here's an idea for you. Um, draw a 10 to 15 mile circle around your church, right? So think about your church as the center of a circle. Um, draw, draw a 10 to 15 mile circle around that and locate any veterans affairs offices of VA medical center, military installations. Um, in my community, we within that circle would absolutely have um, a veteran cemetery reach out ask about their specific needs ask how you could um, could come along and serve there is a look seek ask um, opportunity here so look seek and ask be prepared to connect with um, with vet connect veterans with the resources that they need um and you say to yourself, well, I'm sure somebody has told that guy who's holding that sign who says he's a vet. I'm sure someone has told him where the closest VA is. Yeah, but maybe this is the time he'll be ready to, um, to respond. About a third of the adult homeless population in the United States are veterans. Let me say that again. About a third of the adult homeless population in America are veterans. So maybe one of the things you could do after you've done the research, you know where the VA um, services are uh, that are proximate to you. Maybe you could just make a card. You could print several copies of it. You could keep them in, you know, your glove compartment or, or that console between the seats. Make a card that would include information about the closest VA resources. Maybe you could find a, a trusted Christian counselor in your area who's professionally equipped to handle moral injury and suicide ideation, post-traumatic stress disorder. Like maybe you could have some of that information on a card with a phone number that they could text, somebody that they could actually reach out to. Like that would be a positive, tangible resource that would totally indicate to that vet that you actually thought about them in advance because you prepared. The only way you would have a card to hand them with that information is that you had thought about them in advance and you had prepared to engage with them. Um, 
uh, network with military chaplains. That's a great way um, not only to become equipped, but to serve those who are serving those who are serving all of us. Um, so, you know, the, the list is long. Um, obviously, we want to encourage um, people to see our local congregations as a safe place, but that means our churches need to become a safe place. So uh, equipping ourselves in advance, I'm thinking here about the conversation we had with Steve West about his book and ministry, The Bronze Scar, um, bronzescar.com, if you want to um, avail yourself of those resources. Just a, just a reminder that these are things we have talked about over time um, and that, that you have resources to bring to bear. So in anticipation of this conversation um, today, I sent an email to um, a military dad who I know, um, who is also a chaplain, um, and I said, hey, I, uh, I'm going to have to say something on my show. Um, what are some thoughts? And so here's, I'm just going to read you his email. He started with Philippians 1.3. I thank my God every time I remember you. Veterans, uh, veterans Day uh, celebrates the service of all U.S. military veterans. It's a day when we solemnly remember the sacrifices made by the multitude of brave men and women serving in our armed forces. For those of us who have never served in the military, it's easy to overlook the holiday and lose sight of those who have bled to preserve the freedoms we now enjoy. So think about it. As Americans, we're free to express our opinions, live the lifestyle we want, say what we want, worship God openly without facing oppression or hostility. We have opportunities and choices that few people on earth enjoy. It's crazy to consider our nation is one of the most blessed in all of human history. But that's not without sacrifice. I've been guilty in the past of underappreciating the sacrifices of our military, but my mindset changed when it got very personal. One of my precious daughters chose to place her life in harm's way in order to keep our country safe. She serves in the U.S. Navy. She is frequently deployed, and right now she's serving with her squadron in a foreign land, defending our freedom and values. Those of us with family in the military know that we must continually pray for their safety. And though my daughter is not yet a veteran, I am moved by the privilege to honor all those who have served before her to make this country free. A few years ago during clinical training as a hospital chaplain, I experienced one of the most emotionally charged events of my life. As a chaplaincy exercise to understand how to administer pastoral care, our instructor displayed 75 photos of men and women fresh off the battlefield. These pictures captured the traumatic and devastating pain and suffering of wounded soldiers. A month ago, I watched with the world um, what, what happened uh, in Israel. Just yesterday, I listened to a news report out of Israel about an IDF soldier who was killed on October the 7th. Now, I recognize that it's Veterans Day and not, Memorial's Day, not Memorial Day, but his um, testimony matters to me. He cried out to his mom about how war has changed him forever. My friend's name is Brad, and he concluded this way. We owe a debt of honor and respect to those who have served throughout the U.S. and the world. Um, he talks about how he was helped to help those um, who have stood for us. So he says, Whenever, wherever you are on November 11th, please take a moment to thank our veterans for their faithful service. Well, thank you, Brad, for the service of your family. Thank you for your service as a military uh, chaplain. Um, and thank you to each and every one of you um, for reaching out to one of the 18 million U.S. military veterans on this Veterans Day. Have a great day and God bless. 
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.